Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. Today, I've actually found a very emotional few weeks for myself, um, and I think for most of Australia and New Zealand. We've had all the fires in Australia. People's lives, you know, have been really affected. Their homes been affected, and we need to continue to pray for our nation. Maybe our rivals when it comes to sports, but we're the buddies with each other when it comes to everything else. And also with White Island, um, I think it's been just such a tragedy down there. Um, and it breaks my heart to think of what people have been going through. And so we need to be continually lifting up the people in prayer, and particularly those that are in hospital, because it's going to be a long road for the people that are in hospital. But what I loved, and it really went with my message very well today, was when they spoke of the love and the kindness and the um, generosity and the comfort and compassion that has been coming from the whanau down in Whakatane that has been coming from people, and they said on the news, they said, it's just such a Kiwi thing to be loving, to be kind, to get together during these times and pull together. And it made me realise, because I've been pondering in the last few weeks and reflecting about how can we as Faith Point, how can we as the individuals that make up this church really reflect the character and the nature and the love of God to the world that we live in. Because if we look around at the world that we live in, it is a world that is really divided right now. It's divided in so many areas, and it's a world that is really hurting. And that is a fact. And I think there are ethical challenges, there are moral challenges, and I think these challenges, quite frankly, will not just affect our government and the authorities and leaders of our nation, but they will affect us as the church. They will affect us as Christians. And I really believe that it's going to challenge our belief systems. It's going to challenge how we respond. It's going to challenge our attitudes and our decisions that we make. But I also want to say we are living in significant times, absolutely significant times, where I believe there is a new quest. What do I mean by a new quest? There's a new searching out there for meaning of life. You know, when there's turmoil, when there's a divided world, when people are hurting and people are broken, they are searching out there for a new meaning of life. People are also searching for spirituality and the discovery of one's inner being. So church, the doors of opportunity are there right now for you and me to contribute significantly into the life of another person. Think about that. We are, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, we are actually God's referral. You realise that? Every one of us sitting here that is a follower of Christ, that is a believer and has faith in Christ, we are a letter of recommendation, an endorsement, a reference to those around us for everyone to read. Who we are, what we say to the person next to us, what we do when we walk out on the streets today and in the year 2020, all of it should reflect the character and nature and the spirit of God. 
Amen? 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is our main scripture today. And in there, Paul tells us where we can find the character and the nature and the spirit of our living God. And in the 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with the church of Corinth. And he's dealing in the 1 Corinthians primarily with a lot of issues and problems that come with a new church. They had immorality going on, they had sexuality problems, they had sin still happening, but they were really trying to get their life together. And Paul had developed this really fantastic church in a large city that once was corrupt. And these people had come through, these followers of Christ, and we read in 2 Corinthians that Paul then begins to defend his authority and what the Corinth church stand for. You know what the great thing about Paul is? Paul's life was not all about himself. Paul's life wasn't all about himself, my friends. Paul's life um, was also about his greatest contribution to life was to be found in the lives of those sitting in the church, to be found in the life of others. Let's read it, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 6. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And Paul says here, he's speaking to his opponents as well. There were false teachers around who were really challenging Paul. And he's also speaking to the church of Corinth here. And he says, are we beginning again to tell you how good we are? Some people need to bring letters of recommendation with them or ask you to write letters or recommendation for them. But the only letter of recommendation we need is yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our heart and everyone can read it and recognise our good work among you. Clearly you are a letter from Christ prepared by us. Isn't that, isn't that awesome, church? He's speaking to the church of Corinth. He's speaking to faith point here. Clearly you are a letter from Christ prepared by us. It is written not with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's not carved on a tablet of stone, but on human hearts. We are confident of all this because of our great trust in God through Christ. It is not that we think we can do anything of lasting value by ourselves. He is the one who has enabled us to represent his new covenant. This is a covenant not of written laws, but of the Spirit. The old way ends in death. The new way, the Holy Spirit gives us life. Father, Lord, we just thank you, God. We stand here today as your church. We stand here as your representation. We stand here as your endorsement to the world, Lord, to a hurting world, Lord, to a divided world, Lord. And I just pray today, Lord, you would stir our spirits, Lord. You would stir each one of us that we would see ourselves as significant, Lord, that we matter, Lord, and what we say and what we do matters if it comes out of the Spirit of God. So I pray today, Lord, just your Spirit would take over as I speak, would take over all our hearts today, and we go away from here excited and expected to have an effect on the world out there. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, I feel on fire today. <laughs> Let me give you a bit of background to the Scripture. Corinth was a first-century church, a first-century church, and it was planted by Paul the Apostle. The first century church of Corinth believed in the same lordship as we do in the 21st century. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. They had become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul 
was not on his own. He had a whole group of people in this church that were passionate about God, passionate about the things of God. They'd come through their problems and their issues. And Paul was saying now they have become a letter of recommendation. And there were false teachers amongst the crowd over there. And they, at the time, when Paul was writing this, they had asked Paul, where is your letter of recommendation? Where does your endorsement come from? Because they had letters of authority to prove who they were. Paul didn't need to prove who he was. Pastor James and Viv, as senior pastors of this church, don't need to prove who they were because it should be found in the lives of each one of us here today. Amen, church? A letter of recommendation is like having a referral. It's like having an endorsement. And here was Paul. He was defending his apostolic authority. He was defending his apostle uh, lifestyle, the way he lives, the way he acts. And he made it really clear in the scripture, really clear that personality, success, and blowing hot air is not what shaped nor defined who he was. You know, sometimes when we hear of Paul the Apostle, we think of this great man. He overcome a multitude of things. You know, he was blinded, thrown down the ground, blinded, filled with the Holy Spirit, planted churches. And, and we think of that. But, you know, it's not about personality. It's not about success. Paul did not need a letter of recommendation. He didn't need it written on ink. He didn't need it written on a tablet of stone. The church of Corinth became his letter of referral became his endorsement. I praise the Lord for that. That's what you call a legacy. That is something to be remembered by. The church became Paul's legacy to be remembered by. When Paul left the Corinth church and he continued in his travel, the day he passed away, his legacy still was remembered. History will always remember Paul because of the spirit of God that went from Paul into the people, authorised by God, and it made a difference in their lives. And, you know, it brings us back to who we are. The effect we have on the people today. The effect we have on our neighbours. You know, it's all about what's within us. The greatest stories of our life that will not be forgotten beyond our lifetime don't come from materialism. They don't come from, people aren't, when we pass away, going to sit back and say, Sue, you had a great house. Well, actually, I live in the western suburbs and I have a very basic house, but it's home to many. But people are not going to talk about the car you own. They're not going to talk about the clothes you wear or, or the success of your jobs. The greatest stories that will not be forgotten beyond our lifetime are not crafted from personality and success. I think it is important to be successful in your career. I think it's really important. You can make a difference out there. You can become an influence. But that isn't necessarily what everyone's going to talk about um, when you pass away. But it does come from the inequalities that are given to us by the Holy Spirit. And it's God that authorises us as a letter of recommendation. Does that make sense? You know, when you go to a, when you go to a funeral, you go to a celebration, and people talk about someone... They don't talk about their career. They don't necessarily talk about all the children they have. What they do talk about is the character that comes out of that person, the nature that comes out of that person. It's really important. Paul was a mediator for the Church of Corinth, but it was the Spirit of God that worked through the people. It was the Spirit of God 
that authorised who they are. It was the Spirit of God that made them a letter of recommendation. And the Spirit of God through Christ positions you and me to become a significant contributor in another person's life. It creates us to become a legacy to be known by. In 2002, a movie was produced called The Emperor's Club. Has anyone seen that movie? It was a brilliant movie. In fact, you won't find it on Netflix. I've tried. Netflix don't have the modern movies, the latest, for about six months. And then they don't have some of the real old ones. But this movie was called The Emperor's Club. And it's based around a, a school for young men, developing young men. I think it was called St. Benedict's School. And there's a pre professor in the school teaching classical history. And this professor believes that a man's character determines his fate. A man's character determines his fate. And he thought to see that it was his job to mould the character and the values and the principles of the student's life. And as the story goes, as the movie goes, you'll see that the professor comes up against struggles. Some of the guys don't agree, and the parents, all they wanted to do, do was see their kids come out with a great career and be in a high position. They didn't want him to teach them values and principles. So the whole movie, I encourage you, if you can get a hold of a copy, uh, I, I managed to get a copy from the Northwest Library. That's where I found a copy there. But the movie is all about character. It's all about honesty and integrity and how vulnerable we can all be when we're faced up to it. So I'm going to show you a two-minute movie clip. It's taken out of the beginning of this movie when Mr. Hondert, or Professor Hondert, gets together with his class for the first time. And I want you to take note of this line that I have up here. He will quote in this, great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. So watch this movie clip, and that's the setting. He's in the class, his first class, with these pupils. Have a look. Your name, sir? Uh, Robert Brewster, sir. Very good. And you? Deepak Mehta, sir. And your name? Eugene Field, sir. Field. And you? Martin Blyce, sir. Is that a question? Oh, no, sir. Uh, my name is Martin Blythe, sir. Very good. You all know your own names. Question is, do I? Mr. Blythe. Me, sir? Yes, you. Now, Mr. Field to your right, or Mr. Gray to your left, or Mr. Deeble. Behind you. You, sir. Will you do me a favor and walk to the back of this classroom and read for us the plaque which you see hanging over that door? I am sh sh I'm Shut Shutruk Nuhunter. Very good. A little louder, please. Yes, sir. Uh, I am Shutruk Nuhunter, king of Anshans and Susa, sovereign of the land of Alam. I destroyed Sipar and took the Stella of Naran. Took the steel of Naran Sin and brought it back to Alam, where I erected it as an offering to my god. Shutruk Nuhunter, 1158 BC. Well done, Mr. Blythe. Thank you. You may be seated. Shutruk Nahunti. Is anyone familiar with this fellow? Texts are permissible. But you won't find it there. 
Shutruk Nahunte, King, Sovereign of the land of Elam, Destroyer of Sippar. Behold, his accomplishments cannot be found in any history book. Why? Because great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. What will your contribution be? How will history remember you? Shutruk Nahunte, utterly forgotten. Unlike the great men you see around you, Aristotle, Caesar, Augustus, Plato, Cicero, Socrates, giants of history, men of profound character, men whose accomplishments surpass their own lifetime and survive even into our own. Their story is our story. Wow. Isn't that powerful? Their story is our story. Great ambition and conquest without contribution is without significance. Perhaps you're sitting here today and you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't really see my life as anything significant. I don't really see that the word I spoke yesterday or what I did in my work is of any significance. I say think again. I say think again because we are significant. We have something, every person has something that we can contribute. Uh, Stanley Green's an author, he wrote this, he said, I realise that many of the choices we make are not devoid of significance. Rather, we know that somehow, in some way, what we do matters. Let me say that again, and I want it just to sink into our spirits. We're talk I'm talking to you as followers of Christ here. You're filled with his spirit. He's authorised you to be significant. He's authorised each one of us to be a contributor to other people. And if you don't know Christ and you haven't experienced it, um, I, I encourage you at the end of the service to, you know, there will be an invitation when you can ask him to come into your life and experience the difference. But that quote again, I realise that many of the choices we make are not devoid of significance. We know that somehow, in some way, what we do matters. That word that we said to someone on the way out of church today matters. That person we sat beside in the bus the other day, when everyone was grumpy going to work, and we just said something encouraging, it matters. You know, that action that we took, that response when someone said something against God or something was people were running down other people in a conversation and you spoke up and you stood for your conviction and you stood for your belief, that matters. See, it's all those everyday things of life that make our word, that make our action significant if it comes out of and is driven by the spirit of the living God that is within us. Last week, um, the world lost a great contributor of the Spirit of God, and that was Reinhard Bonnke. I know he's probably not known to some of the younger generation here, but he was an awesome evangelist. I think apart from Billy Graham, one of the greatest evangelists I have ever sat under. I remember sitting under his ministry, and it was just incredible. Uh, he gave his life to the Lord at the age of nine years old. And he was called to the continent of Africa before he was even a teenager. 
Isn't that credible? Diana, you're called to Africa. How's that? And he was called. He was positioned. He was empowered by the Spirit of God. He led 79 million recorded. 79 million people to Christ. Isn't that something? We need to celebrate every time someone gives their life to the Lord. We need to celebrate because that is another lost soul that's not lost. It's another soul that's going to experience the Spirit of God. 79 people he led to the Lord. He had a discipleship training program going and he produced 185 million copies of literature that were sent to 100, in 103 languages and went into 55 countries. An incredible man. But what was he really known for? Because I said earlier in the message, you know, we're not known, the things that are known about us beyond our lifetime are not about materialism, not about our career, not about what we do. Ryan Hunt Bonke was a great evangelist. He was a great preacher. He led millions to the Lord. He produced millions of resources. He wrote thousands of books. But when I sat in his meetings, the greatest thing, if you know Reinhard Bonke, that came out of him was his passion. His, he was on fire when he preached the word of God. He was passionate and hungry. And he stood on his convictions. He didn't have a double standard. He didn't compromise. And they were the things that I had known about him. He was positioned by the Spirit of God to become a giver and a contributor to the lives of many. Powerful, powerful man. Last Sunday night, we attended the graduation of Gareth and Anya for their internship. Um, Anya's not here, but Gareth, wherever you are, congratulations. He's probably out with kids or somewhere. Um, but I, I remember looking at the 50 graduates who were on stage. And I come home, Sue was with me at my house, and uh, Manu was there, my husband. And I said to Man, I said to Man, how many Reinhards will come out of this group that are on stage? How many Billy Grahams will come out of these people that are on stage? You know, how many Paul, the apostles, will come out of these people? How many will pick up the baton? How many will take the legacy that they have left behind? How many of them will be a letter of endorsement, will be a letter of recommendation, will be a letter of referral to the people and the lives around them? It was really an exciting time. Let me give you three steps that I identified to becoming a contributor of significance in the lives of others. One, become men and women of profound character. Profound character. That doesn't mean perfect, by the way, and I'll explain that in a moment. I would add to that if I was doing the PowerPoint again, so I would put there, become men and women of profound godly character. Paul's lifestyle and credentials, the movie that we just saw, the life of Reinhard Bonnke, all this causing to question our image of ourselves, how we perceive ourselves, and what a spirit-filled follower of Christ should be. Where does profound character come from? It is attributed to living a godly lifestyle. How do we live a godly lifestyle? It is so simple. It is by applying Christian ethics, Christian values and principles, with no apologies, and standing on a non-compromising set of convictions and beliefs. Does that mean we're perfect? No. 
There's only one person that ever walked on earth that was perfect, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. We all make mistakes. Reinhard Bonnke would have made mistakes. Paul the Apostle definitely did. He wrote down the mistakes he made. But it's having a repent of heart and getting up. A mistake never stays a failure if we learn from it, if we grow from it, if we come with a repent of heart and we pick ourselves up from it. Godly character is outworked through us as we allow the Spirit of God to sharpen us and to transform us. You know, a few weeks ago, uh, Manu and I went to a, a celebration for a friend of ours who was 70 years old. I remember when he was 40 or so, and we used to be ministering together. There were people from their youngest grandchildren to the eldest at the celebration. Uh, right through the celebration, I'll just tell you, his name was Peter. He's a friend of my husband and I. Uh, he just loves people. He used to work with me uh, when I was pastor in my last church. He helped with training and equipping. All he ever wanted to see was people discover their passion, discover their gifts, and get out there and serve the Lord. He had a high position in an insurance company. His family, over the last four years, I would say, have set up five education centres, early learning childhood education centres in Auckland, from Hobsonville Point to Albany, all over Auckland. Very, very successful. Uh, so he had he, had, he was, had personality, he had charisma, he had a great job, he was doing a lot of work. But every person, from the little grandchildren, they all got up and spoke, to the elders, never spoke about any of those things. They spoke about his gentleness. They spoke about his kindness. They spoke about his brother. His brother got up. He's been kind of a like everyone has one in their family. <laughs> I have one in my family. You know, someone that's really you know just lost and a bit rugged around the edges. He even got up and he said, "My father really believes in his God." And they said, "He's been with me through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly, but he's always been with us." The grandchildren said. He was with us out on the soccer field. He said, no one in New Zealand likes football. They all like rugby. But he was there, cheering for us on the football field. And he said, our grandfather was always there for us. And I believe Peter is a name to be remembered by. His family will remember him for his godly character. He stood on his beliefs. 80 to 90% of the people were there. I'd say 80% more realistically. We're not yet Christians. And they still stood up and said he loves his God. They could see his God in his life and the words that came out of him and the action that came out of him and the response that came out of him. So how do we discover how to have profound and godly character? It's all found in scripture. The Bible is not a list of do's and don'ts, my friends. It's not, a, it's not a book of rules and regulations, but rather it's a guide to Christian living. We want to know what a profound character is. We want to know how we to live our lives. We find it written in the Word of God. It's a book of principles. It's a book of life illustrations that tell us how to live our life, how not to live our life. It's illustrations that tell us of stories of people who have messed up life, picked up and got going again. It's the Word of God that shapes us around the character and nature of God as we have a, an encounter with the Spirit of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. It says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, 
set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right, right hand in the place of honour, sorry, and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. Isn't that powerful? Since you have been raised to a new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Let heaven fill our thoughts. Let it fill our thoughts. You know, I've had a Bible by the side of my bed since I was the age of 14 when I gave my life to the Lord. And if you open it now, it all falls apart. I have a cover that domes up over it so that I don't lose all the pages. And there's scriptures and things marked all over the place. Now, if I open my Bible now, my new Bibles, does it have as much marked in it? It's interesting, isn't it? When you're a new Christian, you're zealous and, you know, you're really feeding yourself with the Word. I want to encourage everyone here today, including myself, let's get into the Word of God. Let's be practical about it. If you're, if you're getting lethargic or complacent or find your Bible a bit boring, read a different translation. Sometimes I'll jump from the New King James to the message just so I can be relevant in my thinking. Uh, sometimes, you know, I'm not really so good at reading, but I'm good at audible. Find what works for you to feed your heart. Find what works to get the Spirit of God moving inside of you. Find what works to get you into the Word of God. I love to go to Piha and sit on the rocks and walk the beach, and that's how I hear from God. And that makes me again, just do what works for you, but feed ourselves with the Word of God because that is where it comes from. So number one, to become a, contributing, a contributor of significance, become men and women of profound godly character. Secondly, become men and women with a heart after God. The condition of a heart determines a person's response. Think about that. What's in our heart, so we shall be. The words that are come out of our heart. Condition of the heart determines how we respond. The condition of the heart determines our attitude. The condition of our heart determines the words that we say. The condition of our heart will determine what we vote when it comes to the next election. We have some important decisions as, as the Church of God to make. But God is looking for a heart that is pleasing to God, a heart that is passionate, that comes out of a renewed spirit. Hang around with people with a renewed spirit. Hang around with people not near. If you hang around with people that are negative, you'll become negative. If you hang around with people that talk about other people, you'll talk about other people. I remember being invited to someone's home for dinner, a Christian family, and they were talking to me about the visitor, the guests they had had the week before. And they were running them down about this and running them down about that. The thought that went through my mind is, when I'm not at this table next week, <laughs> and someone else is, what are they saying about me? We need to hang out with people with renewed spirits. They don't live in the land of regrets. They make mistakes like anyone else does, but they have a heart after God. David was such a man in the Bible, we all know he had a heart after God. It says in the Bible that he reached his generation. But he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He helped murder Uriah, her husband. And yet, he's one of the most well-known people you know, he's remembered by history. Why? Because he had a heart after God. 
He came to a place of repentance. You know, repentance is not being remorseful just because you got caught. I remember going to a court case a few years ago and I remember the guy, I know him quite well, uh, he said to the judge, he was very sorry. Actually, he wasn't sorry because he got, uh, had took drugs. He was sorry because he got caught. <laughs> Big difference. Big difference. Well, we won't go there. That's a long story. Okay, but David humbled himself. David humbled himself. He realised he was heading down the wrong path. He got insight. You see, we have to have insight to be changed. You know, you can go to a counsellor, you can drag someone who's going through a difficult time to a counsellor, but if they haven't had insight from the Lord that what they're doing is wrong, it's a waste of time taking them. People need to have insight before they'll experience revelation. That's my theory anyway. So becoming men and women with a heart after God is having a heart that is pleasing to God, having a repentive heart. Psalm 51, verse 1 to 5, I won't read it out just for the sake of time, but repentance is not about being remorseful. It's also about honesty from the heart. In verse 6 of Psalm 51, it says, You deserve honesty from the heart. This is David talking to the Lord. Yes, utter sincerity and truthfulness. Oh, give me this wisdom. Do you know what? That's what God asks for. He doesn't ask us to be perfect. But he says, I just want honesty. I just want truthfulness. I would rather my kids came to me and said to me they'd fouled up something or they'd done this and done that, then cover up and tell a lie. I'd rather my kids could have the confidence and security enough to be able to come to me as a parent and say, I've mucked life up, Mum. And that's exactly what the Lord does. You know, the Lord just wants honesty and truth. He wants a renewed spirit from the heart. 51 verse 10, Create in me a new heart. Cleanse my heart, O God. Fill me with clean thoughts and right desires. So how do we become significant um, contributors into another's life? Is one, become a man and woman with a profound heart after God. Have a hunger for the heart of God. Become a spirit giver. Paul was a spirit giver. He experienced a personal encounter with the living God. He relied foremost on everything from the spirit that lived within him. It's always present. The spirit that we have, my friends, Christmas is here. The spirit of God is always present and never goes on holiday. Spirit doesn't say one day, I'm going to just jump out of your heart. I'm going to jump out of you and just have a relax and I'm going to lie on the beach and chill out. And you can you swear, you can do whatever you like. No. <laughs> spirit of God lives within us 24-7. 24-7. Spirit life does not disappear. It is present in our attitude and our actions. Philippians 1.11 May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. And Galatians 5.16 So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature wants. Verse 22, the Holy Spirit produces what? Love, joy, we all know the scripture, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Amen. That's what the world needs. That's what the victims of White Island need right now. That's what our government actually needs, to be really honest. But that is the spirit that makes us a letter 
of recommendation. In my conclusion, there's a book called The Dream Culture, excellent book. I think the author is A.J. A &J Mason. They say in this book, there are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shifted and shaped by the moves you make, by the actions that you take today, tomorrow, and the day after tomorrow, and the next. Let me read that again as I conclude. There are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shifted and shaped by the moves that you make, by the moves that I make, and the actions we take today, tomorrow, and day, and the next. What we do, what we say, and who we are, friends, has a powerful effect. We can be a significant effect on people. We can become a significant contributor. That act of kindness, that word of wisdom, that rebuke done out of love. What will our contribution be, my friends, as that professor said? How will history remember Faith Point? How will history remember us as a church? How will history remember us as a family? What do we want to be remembered by? It's a big question. Let's all stand, shall we?